You're back with Radio Veritas, the Catholic radio station. Six minutes past, well, almost seven minutes past uh, five o'clock in the afternoon. Thank you for being with us. And I was so happy to have with me the excellent young people who spoke about the experience of youth and how they experience the church and life today and the challenges facing them and therefore uh, their invitation, their challenge to us to respond to their needs. Now, uh, let's continue uh, just for a few minutes. As you know, last week or the last time I was here two weeks ago, uh, I started talking about the Ten Commandments and I spoke about the First Commandment. And today I want to speak very briefly about the Second Commandment, which says, you shall not take the name of God in vain. You shall not take the name of God in vain. That is, you shall not treat the name of God disrespectfully or lightly or even in an offensive manner. The name of God and that God is the most sacred, the most holy, the most loving, the most good. And so when we speak about him, we must speak with the greatest gentleness and love. So that's Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Now, you know the context of the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know the great story of uh, Moses leading the people across the Red Sea in the desert to the mountain of Sinai or Horeb. And there, um, God makes uh, a marriage bond, if you like, with the chosen people. He, he says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. And then God gives them through Moses the Ten Commandments. That is, the, the conditions are, you know, how they can truly be a holy people like God. And we now look at the second commandment God gave them. You shall not take the name of God in vain. So they've come from captivity and they're on Sinai. They're making this agreement with God. And so now they, God says, you must respect me, respect my name, because, you know, uh, it is something very, very holy. Now, if you read Exodus chapter 3, uh, Exodus chapter 3, and uh, what is uh, interesting is that this week in the readings during the week, uh, this is precisely where we are in the scriptures. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, we read, Moses said to God, now this is after the incident of the burning bush, and God is sending Moses back to Egypt to liberate his people. So Moses said to God, I'm reading, suppose I go to the Israelites in Egypt and say to them, the God of our fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now that's a name that takes a deep loss of reflection. I am. You know, this name, you know, is so holy for the Jewish and Israel, Israelite people that they uh, never used that name. Uh, it was used maybe by the high priest once a year when he offered a special incense sacrifice in the Holy of Holies in the temple. But people never used it in ordinary life. For example, if you read Matthew's Gospel, Matthew was a Jewish person writing for Jewish congregations. And he never says the kingdom of God. You will never find that phrase in Matthew's Gospel, the kingdom of God. What does he say? The kingdom of heaven 
He speaks about the kingdom of heaven because he doesn't want to use, out of deepest respect, the name of God. And here is God giving his name to the people. I am has sent you. And then going on, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So, as in African culture too, uh, in Hebrew, Jewish culture, this culture of the Old Testament, names are of great significance. Names are holy. Name represents the fullness of the human person. A name has great significance. You know, uh, people born in Tamarind can be called Puleng or Simpiwe, you know, meaning that we have been given a gift from God. They're beautiful names, and the name has significance. Um, a name also has something of trust and intimacy. You know, when a person shares his name or her name with you, there is a certain amount of trust there, that you respect them, a certain amount of intimacy, that you can speak closely together, that you, in a, in, in a certain way, are, are, are deep friends. And so God has reacted this way to us. He has given us his name. He has allowed us to look into his heart, to know his name. And so there Therefore, it is only right that we should respect the name of God. Um, you know, it indicates in, in Scripture always, you know, people are often given a new name in Scripture. You know, it indicates a, a change of destiny, a new task, a new mission, a new vision. For Abraham, for man, uh, when we start reading about him in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, we read about Abraham. Abram, a name which certainly means of noble descent or descended from your father, Abram. But uh, then God changed that name. From now on, you'll be called Abraham. Abraham, that is the father of a multitude of peoples, the, uh, the father of many peoples, Abraham, because that is what he will become. Later on, we find Jacob. Remember him wrestling with the angel or wrestling with God. And in the morning, uh, he was given a new name. From now on, you will no more be Jacob, but you will be Israel. That is the one who has wrestled with God. And again, that becomes the name of the people. Peter was called the rock by Jesus. Jesus himself, his name means the Savior. It was given at birth to him, uh, uh, you know, uh, by God as it were himself. So uh, the name of God is something very holy to us. We begin our lives, our Christian faith, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit because we are baptized in the name that is in the reality of God. So there's a, a very close link between the name of God and the reality, the presence, the tangible closeness of God. In baptism, that's how we begin, in the name. Again, at Mass, every day we begin in the name of the Father of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Driving out evil spirits is done in the exorcism prayers of the church in the name of the Father, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Peter, remember in the Acts of the Apostles, looking to the poor crippled man, he says, gold and silver I don't have, but what I do have is in the name of Jesus, arise and walk. In the name of Jesus, arise and walk. That's chapter three of the Acts of the Apostles. And when you are dying, or when I am dying, if we're lucky, there is someone praying beside us, and that the, uh, the, the, the official formal prayers for the dying is, go forth, go away, go forth, 
go forward, Christian soul, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the name of uh, the name is is something very, very, very common in Scripture and has great significance. In the book of Revelation, we are told in chapter two, we will be given a white stone and a new name will be given to us uh, on that stone. And in Revelation chapter fourteen, uh, where to speak about the hundred and forty-four thousand, which is a symbolic number, the hundred and forty-four thousand who will be saved, the Father's name will be written on their forehead, the name of God. In other words, it will be our eternal name. So, as Jesus says, rejoice, your names are written in heaven for eternity. So, everybody, you know, wants their name spoken with respect, and how much more so for God. So, uh, and when we are called by name, we feel it's an act of love, an act of intimacy, an act of trust, a friendship. Uh, knowing the name indicates a deeper sense of relationships. Knowing a child's name makes the child, you know, sit up and uh, feel uh, addressed and wanted. Um, so, uh, again, when we call on the name of Jesus, Paul says we are saved. So I do uh, emphasize this. We can, of course, fail against uh, the name of God by committing perjury, something people seemingly very easily do. You know, they swear on the Bible and in God's name they said, I will tell the truth. God is my witness. And in for, and immediately they set out to tell all kinds of lies. That's perjury. It's a serious sin. Uh, people don't, people take it very lightly, but it's a serious sin against the second commandment. Blasphemy, of course, is to hold God's name in contempt. Uh, we get new, ba- new names at baptism and confirmation. And uh, uh, perhaps it's not mentioned so much today, but it's good also uh, to take a Christian model uh, among the early names. I mean, your home name, that name we get in our culture, that's beautiful. These names are beautiful. By all means, we respect them and we use them every day. But it's no harm. It's a very good thing to give a young person a model, a mentor, a companion by giving him or her a saint's name that they could uh, study, that they could pray to, they could know, that they could see as someone accompanying them in life. It's beautiful at confirmation, you know, to take uh, a new name, uh, the name of someone you have come to know, like Mother Teresa or Benedict Daswa or any of the great saints, Saint Ignatius, Saint Francis, and so on. So taking of a name and making that name something real. Now, and as you know, of course, on the contrary side, to give person a bad name is a great offense, is a great, uh, a great suffering, a great sin against somebody. So uh, I say then, let us, let, at least from the, what I'm saying today, let us take seriously what we say so often. I begin in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let that be a real contact moment with God. And also when we say at the end of the Psalms, when we say so in, at the end of every rosary decade, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Let it be very deep, and very meaningful. And also let us use the name of Jesus with great respect. You know, repeating it often with, with love, because this is the name of our Saviour. And also some people, when they pray together in groups, they remain silent in adoration and they simply speak up 
uh, their favorite name for Jesus. And then there's silence. Let us say someone said, uh, I see Jesus as shepherd. And then there's a silence as people think of Jesus the shepherd. Someone else might say, Jesus Savior. And people think about that. It's a beautiful way of praying. And so let us use the holy name of God as a means of keeping in immediate and continual contact with God. Let us now listen to the next hymn, Guache Guati. Welcome back. It is 23 minutes past five. Radio Veritas. Lovely to be with you. Thank you. Now, we generally, at, uh, on Thursday, look at the coming Sunday's Gospel very briefly. And this is how, at least, I'm reading a few verses from it. It's rather long, but you have a choice of reading uh, a shorter section. At that time, Jesus is Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Matthew thirteen twenty-four. At that time, Jesus put another parable before the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, did we not sow good seed in your field? How then has it weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Then... Do you want us to go and gather them, the weeds? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burnt, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, in a sense, this parable, dear people, you know, uh, looks at a situation that is a puzzle, really, to be quite frank, is a puzzle to us. That is that uh, evil people seem to prosper frequently and good people seem to suffer. You know, uh, for example, like there is so much corruption, money meant to help poor families never reaches them. It's stolen. Again, there's rape and abuse. And only about 4% are ever prosecuted for rape or abuse in the country. People abandon families and walk out and leave them high and dried. Unsuitable people are chosen in politics, in churches and in business. And some huge profits are made from open slavery and human trafficking, selling young girls and boys into slavery and to sexuality. And we do say, where is God? Why does God not destroy those who do these things? And Jesus' disciples too were puzzled because Jesus was obviously uh, the Son of God. He was so good and everything he did was kind and loving and yet they rejected him. Uh, and so um, evil people uh, are, are seen as often good and whereas they are not good. Now, so therefore Jesus gives us the parable of the wheat and the weeds, or the darn and the wheat and the weeds. Uh, and it does happen, and did happen in the past. People did things like that. And even the do so today, figuratively, people do so weeds in your life. For example, uh, someone enters into a happy family and breaks up that family with sex and other things. Uh, there are people who sell drugs to young people and destroy their lives. There are people who buy and sell, sell children into sexual slavery. There's a thousand things you can give me, I'm sure. All this, these are the weeds. These are the weeds. 
Uh, but however, let us be careful in judging these people. Uh, let us not judge too easily. God has seen all. God has seen all. There will be a judgment and the weeds will be burned. Uh, maybe people are received a very honourable and notable funeral. Yeah, but is that it? What good is it to be locked up in a box uh, two metres under the ground while people are celebrating above and talking well of you and you're going to remain there forever? What happens beyond the grave when they go to meet the God who died for them and who died for the ones whose lives they destroyed? You know, so let us be very careful in judging. I remember a woman uh, with her children came to a new neighbourhood and uh, she never really appeared out among the neighbours and so they often gossiped about her. The children were always out playing and they said about her uncharitably, she doesn't want her children either. She has them out on the street all the time. She, they saw a strange man visiting her house now and again and and so on. But when the, a few days later, the, a few months later, this woman died of cancer, then they understood she was dying of cancer. She was in terrible pain. She wanted not to be in hospital, but be as close as possible to her children. And yet she couldn't bear their noise of jumping around the house. The strange man who visited her was her specialist doctor, whom the local people did not know. And she was not able to visit. She would have loved to. So here's a woman who died, rejected and scorned by people uh, because we made a judgment. So let us then remember, I'll just end with this story have a lot more, but I must end now with time. Time is my enemy. Uh, there is a story about in each heart, really, there is both weeds and there is good seed. We have to examine our consciences. Someone has said in the human heart, there are two wolves, wolves. And which wolf is going to win the battle? Which wolf is going to dominate the soul and personality? The answer is that wolf which we feed the most. So if we uh, give in to evil things, uh, then uh, that is what we will become. But if we try and struggle against evil and try and be good, then the good will eventually dominate. Jesus tolerated it in his own intimate friends. There was Judas and there was Peter. And so there's so many other things. But let us remember that uh, God has seen everything. And you will have to prove to him that you never judged unjustly. God knows everything in our hearts. All saints have a past, a history, and all sinners have a future. Let us go to God who is full of mercy. Let us weed out those darnels. Let us not worry about the evil ones who are prospering. Are they really happy? Uh, can they be, you know, at peace with themselves? Do they not hate themselves in reality? In Galawamazi, Amen.